Praise God. Feel free to take some notes today on that little tear off as we continue finishing our series, She Speaks. You know, this month we've talked about a lot of things that Proverbs has to say. We talked about the fear of the Lord, that the starting point for wisdom is the fear of God. We talked about on Mother's Day that wisdom chooses to laugh, wisdom chooses to honor, wisdom chooses to worship, wisdom chooses to forgive. We talked about how Proverbs leads us down a path. And that there's two paths in Proverbs, a path called wisdom and a path called foolishness. How many of y'all were here when I was riding my bike through the church? How sometimes you hit a fork in the road and you've got to choose which path you're going to take. And that the path you take determines the destination you end up at. And one of the phrases we came up with uh, that we kind of, well, we didn't come up with it. Proverbs came up with it. We just kind of put it together. But it's direction, not intention, determines destination. Let's say it together. Direction, not intention, determines destination. In other words, it's not about how much you want to succeed or how much you intend to do the right thing or hope to do the right thing. It's when you choose to do the right thing. That's the direction that gets you on the right path that leads you to the right destination. And then we talked about preparation, that it's important to prepare, to prepare for what's coming down the road, to make sure that you're doing all that you can for whatever thing that might be coming towards you. And preparation sets you up for a good destination. But today, we're focusing on the heart. And Proverbs warns us that we must guard our heart. Everybody say, guard your heart. You know, uh, Ashley and I, a few years ago, we were kind of just dreaming and wanted to go look for houses and just see what houses were out there in Tulsa, different neighborhoods. And so we were driving through neighborhoods and we got out and started walking just down the street and saw some houses with for sale signs. And I walked in the yard, kind of checking out the house and nobody lived there. So I was looking in the backyard, just kind of seeing what it was like. And I started smelling something funky. I was like, Ashley, something smells funky. I, I just, I don't know. So we got a weird feeling about this house. Let's, let's go to another house. So we start walking down the street to another house. Something smells weird about this place too. I wonder if it's this street. So let's drive down a different street. So we drive down a different street. I think it's the neighborhood. Something smells weird in this neighborhood. Let's go to another neighborhood. So we drive out of that neighborhood. And man, I'm thinking, this, this smells so bad, it's getting in our car. It stinks. So we rolled down the windows, and I don't know what I was thinking because it just invited more stink into the car. We drive into another neighborhood, and it's stinking again. I'm thinking, maybe it's Tulsa. Let's go to another city, another town to, to find a less stinky smell. Finally, I look at the bottom of my shoe. I had stepped in dog poop, and I was carrying the stink the whole time. And I started thinking how so many people blame the stink on something else. You can leave your marriage, leave your church, leave your job, move to another state, but you take your heart with you wherever you go. And if your heart's stinking, it's gonna stink in the next church and in the next job and in the next marriage and in the next state. Whether you move to the sunshine state or the mountain state or the flat state, your heart goes with you wherever you go. And Proverbs says it's so important to guard your heart because whatever is in your heart is gonna affect the rest of your life. Whatever's in your heart is going to affect the quality of your life, the way that you see things, the way that you appreciate things. Because when your heart stinks, everything else stinks. A cynical, critical, discouraged heart sees everything through a cynical, critical, discouraged mindset. The heart springs everything else. Because truthfully, the heart is connected to everything else. And in fact, when you decided to follow Jesus, the devil put a big target on your heart. Because when you decided to follow Jesus, you became a threat to the devil's kingdom. 
And so he puts this target around your heart like this, and he shoots arrows at you, right? He shoots things like pride, envy, jealousy, discouragement, greed, anger, lust. All of these warnings that Proverbs tells us are coming after your heart. And when you allow anger or bitterness or fear or jealousy to get lodged into your heart, when that arrow penetrates and you don't have your shield up, you're not guarding, those things can affect the course of your life, the destination that your life ends up at. And the devil tries to shoot all of these things at us, right? I mean, jealousy, sometimes we we don't even realize that we're dealing with it. You might be scrolling through your phone, looking on Instagram or Facebook and seeing people's pictures from their vacation and instead of being happy, all of a sudden you start getting sad and frustrated and why why didn't I get to go on that vacation? You know, you know what I'm saying? And, and oftentimes, it's easy to spot these things in other people, right? I mean, that person's prideful. Ooh, they are dealing with the spirit of pride. But it's hard to spot pride in you, right? It's hard to spot arrogance in you. And, and you might be saying, well, Paul, I'm not, I'm not prideful. I'm like one of the most humble people I know. <laughs> if you said that, chances are you've allowed the arrow of pride to get lodged in your heart. And remember, whatever gets into your heart affects the rest of your life. Proverbs, the wisest man, he says, one of the best things we can do as leaders, and I'm looking at leaders all over this room. You're a leader. Did you know that? Somebody's following you. Somebody's watching your example. One of the best things we can do is guard our heart. We can't be perfect, but we can guard our heart against bitterness, against unforgiveness, against shame and guilt of mistakes you've made. It is time to move forward and detox and cleanse out that heart of yours. Get rid of that stink so you don't take it into whatever's next. Here's the other thing. When we've been looking at Proverbs, we've been looking at plants and trees. And what happens when a plant or a flower doesn't get sunlight or water? It begins to wilt. It begins to corrode. It begins to decay. And that lack of water, that lack of life, that lack of sunlight kills the plant. It kills the flower. It destroys it, right? Because without sunlight, without water, it loses its life. And it's the same thing with our heart. When we allow junk into our heart, whether it be pride, envy, lust, greed, anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, getting offended at somebody, that stuff, it begins to wilt away your heart. It begins to destroy you from the inside out. But the opposite is also true. When you get rid of that junk, when you detox your heart, and you get rid of those toxic feelings, those toxic attitudes, those toxic uh, 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 desires, when you get rid of that junk, all of a sudden, you start blooming. You allow the word to wash over you. You allow the sunlight of Jesus to come in and shine and illuminate those dark places. All of a sudden, you begin to bloom into the man, the woman that you're called to be. Amen? So the question is, how do we guard our heart? How do we guard our heart against the things that come at us? And the the crazy thing, the ironic thing, the man who talked about guarding his heart himself allowed his heart to be lured away. In 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 4, Solomon, the same guy who talked about guarding your heart, King Solomon, says that his heart was lured away. When Solomon got older, he married a lot of women, and then those women turned his heart after other gods. Not, hey, listen, guys, women, women aren't bad. The, the right women are found in the right environment in this place right here. If you're single, she's in this place. Come on, somebody. The miracle is in the house. That's for single people, not married people. For married people, the miracle is right next to you. But the wrong women turned him the wrong direction, and his heart became unloyal to the Lord. 
And this is what happens when you allow the wrong things into your heart. It pulls you away. When your heart's not guarded, it pulls you away from your purpose, from your vision, your destiny. Your destiny is way too important to throw it away for pride, envy, jealousy, lust, greed. And oftentimes those things, we disguise them as personality quirks, right? Or, or we disguise them as gender things, like it's just a guy thing. Lust, it's just a guy thing. It doesn't need to be a godly guy thing. Gossip, it's, it's just girl talk, right? It's just the real housewives of Tulsa, right? <laughs> no, it's not the real housewives of the word. It's not the real housewives of the church. Come on, somebody. Don't call me cheesy. I'm a dad. I can be cheesy. <laughs> but you know, here's the thing. A lot of times we disguise those enemies of the heart, those arrows, and we just kind of say, oh, it's just me, right? I just, it's just, it's become part of my person. Our family, we just lie to each other. What? You just lie? Stop. Stop, because those things are going to destroy the quality and the destination that your life needs to get to. Right? Your life has purpose. Your life has meaning. God wants you to have a good life. He came so that you could have life and life more abundantly. I love this, this question. Uh, one of our young leaders asked this last week. She, she goes to children's church in one service and goes uh, to big service, which is what kids call this service, big service, for one of the other services. And so she said, Mom, we've been studying Proverbs in big service. And I was just wondering. She said, I've really been thinking about this. And while I've been doodling on the, on the bulletin, I've been listening. Some of you guys listen better while you doodle. And that was me as a kid, too. But she said, I've been listening. And one of the questions I have is will I go to heaven even if I don't have wisdom? And her mom kind of you know, thought about it and smiled. She said, honey, of course, it's the blood of Jesus that saves you. And, and her mom told me, I said, yes, it's the blood of Jesus that saves us. You can be the wisest person in the world, but if you don't put your trust in the blood of Jesus, you've done one of the most foolish things in the world. It's not wisdom that saves you. It's Jesus that saves you. However, wisdom might let you live a little bit longer before you go to heaven. Wisdom might help you a little bit longer here on earth before you get to heaven. Might help your relationships, might help your health, your reputation. And so we need wisdom. And we need that wisdom that helps us guard our heart. You know, the enemy is after your heart because your heart directs your mind and your mind directs your mouth. The three work together. The heart, the mind, and the mouth. Everybody say heart, mind, mouth. The heart sends signals to the mind and the mind conceptualizes words that come out of the mouth which steer the direction of your life. They're all three connected. The heart is that place where you think about morals, what's right, what's wrong, behavior, character. Those things are developed in the heart. They're kind of, uh, you, as a child, as a teenager, you develop these convictions. And so the enemy comes after these three things. And I want to show you real quickly what these things, three things look like, what those three things are. The heart is your character, right? The heart is your belief of what's right and what's wrong. The heart is uh, kind of your moral compass, your motives, your attitude. All of that's developed in the heart. But the heart then sends those signals to the mind. The mind is your thoughts, your reasoning, your logic, your conceptualization. You're coming up with these ideas. And then the mind sends thoughts that become words that come out of your mouth. So heart, second one is mind, third one is mouth. Everybody say heart, mind, mouth. The mouth then steers the direction for your life. Proverbs warns us about all three things. Guard your heart, guard your mind, guard your mouth. Guard your heart, guard your mind, guard your mouth. This last week on Memorial Day, my mom gave my son a squirt gun, which was just a bad idea. 
She gave him this little squirt gun and he doesn't have strong enough fingers to squeeze the trigger. So she got behind him and she started squirting us with water. And so I'm, I'm going to get back at her. But as, as she started squirting me with water, I had to find a shield. So I got behind Ashley. And so I was, uh-oh, no. These ladies got some squirt guns since the last service. And, uh, oh, no. All right, all right, sit down, sit down. Come on now, this is church. Honey, stop that. Here's the thing, though. Last night, I got them really bad, and I didn't know this morning someone hooked them up with squirt guns, and they just came after me in the nine, and, and I had to change shirts. It was so bad. Did you know church is not meant to be endured? It's meant to be enjoyed. The Bible instructs us to, to laugh, to enjoy God, not to just put up with God or put up with church, but to have fun. So just loosen up, all right? You can squirt some guns at church. Well, you can't, but all right, maybe, we, maybe we'll have a squirt gun fight one time. But, you know, I was thinking about how the enemy, he doesn't just come with the little squirt gun. The enemy comes with a much bigger squirt gun. <laughs> all right, all right. And so we need a shield. Everybody say, get a shield. We need a shield against the enemy. Because when he comes, he shoots those thoughts of discouragement. He shoots those arrows of offense. He shoots those things that try to lodge into your heart, that pride, that jealousy. And so we need a shield. Because the enemy is after your heart. He's after your heart because it controls your mind. And your mind controls your mouth. And so today I want to talk to you about how do we control, how do we guard, how do we get a shield for our heart mind and mouth. And so number one, if you're taking notes, number one, we guard our heart, mind, and mouth with his word. I'm going to set that Captain America shield right there. That's pretty cool. We guard our heart, mind, and mouth with his word. Come on, this is your shield right here against the enemy. Proverbs 30 verse 5 says this. It says, every word of God is pure. It's flawless. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. He is a shield. That is good right there. God is your shield. When you trust in his word, his word becomes a shield for you. A shield against the discouragement of the situation you're facing. See, we can have some fun right now, but honestly, if we were to look at the spiritual application of the bullets that have been being shot at you, at your marriage, your family. Truth is, you've allowed some of that to get inside your heart. The hopelessness. Things aren't going to work out, Paul. It's just, it's just the way it is. It's just, this is just me. This is the lot I've got in life. I've been stuck with this. This is the hand I've been dealt. Never, never going to turn around. But what does God's word say? Not what does your opinion say, not does what the doctor's report say, not, not, what, not what do the papers say that have been served to you. What does God's word say? God's word says, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. My God says that he's turning all things together for good. He's working all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. My word says that God is greater in me than the thing that I'm facing out here. What does God's word say? Because when you get God's word in inside you, it becomes a shield to the thing that you're facing. It's a shield. And then Proverbs 2, verse 7, says this. It says, uh, check this out. We're going to throw it on the screen. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk uprightly. So not only is God's word a shield because of it being his word, it's a shield when we obey his word. Right? 
I mean, it's one thing to memorize the word. It's another thing to apply the word. The word works, but it works a lot better when you apply it, not just memorize it. There's a lot of people who've got the word memorized, but for some reason they keep allowing things to hit their heart. It's because they're not obeying it. They're not applying it. One thing we, we talked about last month was revelation without application produces no. All right, half of y'all got it from last, last month. Revelation without application produces no transformation. And so we got to know the word, but then we got to apply the word. It's one thing to memorize scriptures about forgiveness. It's another thing to forgive the person who's hurt you. It's one thing to memorize scriptures about uh, generosity and giving. It's another thing to give when it hurts. To give when, like, Kasha and Joel are, are facing those, those situations. Or not Kasha, sorry. Yeah, yeah, Kasha, sorry. Sometimes I mix up. People mix up brothers and sisters all the time. Kasha's sister, Sharissa. But the thing is, it's, it's hard sometimes to apply the word when you're going through tough times. But it's in that obedience and that application that the shield becomes stronger. It's in that obedience and application that the shield becomes stronger. Number two, we guard our heart, mind, and mouth with faith. Everybody say faith. faith. So with his word and with faith, faith. Proverbs 29, verse 18 says, without a vision, people perish. Without a vision. Vision is a word. It's, it's an image for faith. Right? Vision takes faith and puts it into an image. This is where I'm headed. This is where I'm going. Not where I've been, not what I've been through, not what's been done to me, but where I'm going, what I'm going to do, what I'm going to get through. Lord, this is my vision for my life. And see, when you have a vision, it's a lot easier to have a shield. When you don't have a vision, anything can get through because you've kind of lost hope. You've lost faith that something good might happen. I love the words of Oral Roberts, something good is going to happen to you today. Notice that Oral didn't say something good happened to you yesterday. Something good happened to you in the 80s. Something good happened back sometime in your life. You know what Oral was saying? Here's a vision for your future. Something good is going to happen today. What are you saying about your future? What are you saying about the future of your marriage? Last night, I just felt to say this, and I feel to say it again today. Someone is facing a situation that looks like your marriage is going to end. It's hanging by a thread. And the enemy's been whispering the lies. It's not going to work out. Might as well give up. Might as well lose hope. But deep down inside, you know the spirit of faith, that seed is being planted in you. And God says, you will live and not die. Your marriage will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. You're going to get through this. Things are going to turn around. Forgiveness is going to happen. The miracle is going to come through. In Jesus' name, your marriage is going to make it. Your family's going to make it. Someone whose kid is strung out in a mess and you felt like giving up, losing hope. You've stopped praying the prayers that your kid's going to come back to God. And today, I want to just say, your kid is coming back to God. He's going to turn around. That mess is going to be a message. That test is going to be a testimony. Whatever he's gotten himself into, God's going to pull him out of it. In Jesus' name. What vision do you have for your future? God asks seven times in Scripture, what do you see? What do you see? What do you see? Not what have you seen, what do you see? Not what, what's happened to you. What do you see? 
Where do you see your life headed? My dad used to take me and John when we were kids, my brother, he would take us to undeveloped land around the city of Tulsa. And he would ask us that question, what do you see? What do you see, boys? Dad, we just see land, grass, messed up dirt. <laughs> and he'd say, boys, I see a dream center. I see a hospital for the hurting. I see a basketball court where we're going to teach kids sports. I see a computer lab where we're going to teach kids how, how to uh, read and write and all the different technical skills, computer skills. I see a room where we're going to feed the homeless. We're going to bring them in every week and give them lunch. I see a room where we're going to have clothes stored up where we can give clothes to people who are hurting, who don't have the money to buy clothes. We're going to bless them. I see a library. We're going to give books away. And we're going, what? We don't see any of that out there. Are you losing it, Dad? Where do you see this stuff? I see it in here. Because that's where vision begins. If the devil gets into your heart, he can steal your vision. If he can get you to feel discouraged, there's nothing good. The best days are behind you. Might as well give up. But see, wisdom says get a vision for your future of faith. Wisdom says get a vision inside your heart of hope. Stop believing that bad things are going to happen. Start believing that good things are going to happen. But Paul, have you seen the news lately? Have you watched the news lately? Yeah, I've watched the news, but I haven't let the news pierce into my heart. Yeah, I've seen the news, but I haven't let it get lodged inside my heart. I've chosen to let his word get lodged inside my heart. Of course I see the news. I'm not dumb. I see all kinds of stuff happening. It's just that I chose to guard my heart above all else. I will not be discouraged. I will not be hopeless. God is still on the throne. God hasn't given up on me. God hasn't given up on our state, on our nation, on this church. Our best days are in front of us. Some of us are so discouraged that we believe the news instead of the Bible. Some of us have so allowed the arrow of the enemy to pierce our heart that we're convinced by some man who doesn't even read the Bible, who talks about his opinions of our world right now instead of listening to the guy who created the universe. Do you understand this thing holds the truth for your life, the hope for your future? His word is a shield, and our faith in him strengthens that shield. When the enemy comes with arrows of fear, stress, anxiety, hopelessness, discouragement, what do you see? What do you see? Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So if you think small, you're going to be small. If you think defeated, you're going to live defeated. If you think it's over, you're going to live like it's over. If you think this is the final scene, you're going to accept this is the final scene. The spirit of, of the enemy, this is, the, this is really the spirit of the Antichrist, whispers a lie of finality. This is the end. This is the end for y'all. There's nothing better. Things won't work out. And that's the lie of the enemy. Stop listening to the lies of the enemy. He is a liar. The devil is a liar. He's a liar. The truth will set you free. If you're, if you're in a storm right now, this is not the final scene. God plans to bring you to a flourishing finish. Philippians 1 verse 6, my God who started this work in me will be faithful to complete it. He will bring me to a flourishing finish. He said, your latter will be greater than your former. The latter rain is going to be the best. He saves the best for last. I remember one Saturday night, I drove up to our church, and I was so discouraged. My father had just passed away, my hero, my dad, my pastor. And I, I, was, 
I, I was discouraged, you know. I, I just, I, I was carrying this, this weight inside of me, thinking about the future of the church. Just asking, you know, what, what's going to happen, God? And, and, and just, I was, I was hurting. I had allowed the arrow of discouragement to pierce my heart. The arrow of bitterness to pierce my heart. The arrow of fear, of doubt, worry to, to pierce my heart. I didn't have my guard up. I didn't have my shield up. And I remember pulling into the parking lot, and I couldn't even keep driving. I just parked right in front of the, the worship center. I was looking at the cross and looking at the building. And the devil was whispering these lies. Because remember, when you decide to follow Jesus, you become a target for the enemy. If you're getting attacked right now, it's a good thing. It's because you're a threat against the devil. If you've been attacked since you started following Jesus, it's because the devil sees you as a greater threat now. And I felt that attack. But deep down inside, I felt this seed of hope, this seed of faith that my parents had planted in me since I was a kid. When you train your child up in the way that they should go, they will not depart from it. They might go through some storms. They might do some crazy stuff. But that little seed is going to start coming back up. It's time to come home. It's time to come back. It's time to get back to the Father's arms again. And I was discouraged. I was hurt. I was bitter. But in that moment, that seed began to grow. And God began to say, Paul, stop seeing the bad. Start seeing the good. Start declaring the good. Get your heart to tell your mind, to tell your mouth, to start speaking and declaring words of faith. So heart, tell my mind. Mind, tell my mouth. Mouth, speak it out. My best days are right in front of me. I've got victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. God's not finished with me yet. I see a church that's overflowing. I see a church that's touching heaven and changing earth. I see a church that touches this community and the communities of the world. I see a church in every corner of the world. Lord, I see a church that's creative, that's changing culture, that's setting the example for media. Lord, I see a church that's so big, so expansive with energy. Lord, that the devil is so scared, the demons tremble. We drive out darkness. We bring in light. We speak hope. A church full of grace. A church full of love. A church full of truth. I stopped listening to the lies of the enemy and I started declaring the Word of God. What do you see? The devil's been shooting at you. Discouragement over your marriage. Discouragement over your house. Start declaring, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. My kids are coming back. My spouse is coming back. My health is getting back. My finances are turning around. My job's going to make it. I'm going to get a promotion. I see victory. I see success. I am victorious because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. You say, Paul, how can you talk like that? Because you have a vision for your future. Your vision is either fear-fueled or faith-fueled. Fear gives you a vision of hopelessness. Things won't work out. Might as well hide. Might as well give up. Might as well call it quits. Faith fuels a vision of hope. Things are going to turn around. God's with you. He hasn't left the throne room. God's for you. The angels in heaven, the saints of old, they're gathered around the stadium above this earth. They're encircled around you. They're cheering you on. The great cloud of witnesses is saying, don't you dare quit. Don't you dare quit, wife. Don't you dare quit, husband. Don't you dare quit, college student, single who feels like you're never going to find the right person. Might as well just settle. Stop it. That's the lie of the enemy. God has a great spouse for you. God has a great marriage for you. God has a great family for you. God has a great job for the man who's unemployed, the woman who can't find a job. Whatever it is that you're facing, God says, I've got a future, a hope for you.
get it inside of you. The third way that we lift up the shield that guards our heart, mind, and mouth is with our worship. With our worship. Number one, it's His Word. Number two, it's faith. Number three, it's worship. It's worship. Proverbs 3, verse 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord. This is a passage of worship. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge, honor, worship, adore, lift up praises to the Lord, and He will direct your paths. That word acknowledge means to worship. It means to worship. It means to direct your attention to God. I need some help real quick. I need uh, Jason Nussbaum, will you jump up here? And Nate Carson, will you jump up here behind me? Uh, Jason, you stand on this side. You're going to be my problem. You're not a problem. Nathan, you're going to be the answer. You're Jesus. You stand on that side. Give these guys a big hand. When you're not worshiping Jesus, when you fix your eyes on the problem, on the situation, and you've isolated yourself from God's word. You've kind of said, I'm going to do this on my own. You've allowed pride to get in. Say, I'm just going to handle this fight on my own. I've got this. I can get through this without God, without church, without worship. I can do this. Here's what you are. You're isolated against the enemy. So the enemy comes. I want you to knock me down, Jason. I'm trying. I'm fighting hard. I can do this. Come on, Jason. Get me down. Get me down. Ah! And you feel hopeless when you're by yourself. You feel discouraged. Where were you, God? And God's saying, you didn't call on me. You didn't look to me. You were trying to do it all by yourself. You were trying to run this race without my grace. You were trying to do this whole thing all by yourself. And when you're by yourself, you fall hard and it hurts. But here's the good news. God's grace never gives up on you. And so when you choose to turn your eyes to Jesus, he gets behind you. Proverbs 24 says that though a man, a righteous man, may fall seven times, he will rise again. So when the enemy comes at you and he starts shooting arrows at you, Jesus is behind you. He's pushing you forward. The enemy can't handle it. And Jesus gives you power against the enemy. Jason, come back up here. Jesus, stay right here. Here's what happens. Jesus grabbed the shield. Not only does he catch you, when Proverbs says, though a righteous man may fall seven times, he will rise again, not only does he catch you and push you forward, he gets in front of you. He's your defender. He's your righteousness. He gets in front of the problem. He gets in front of the cancer. He gets in front of the, the situation. Whatever it is, come on, get Jesus praise. Come back up here. As long as I'm looking at the problem, you're going to worship. It's just who you worship, what you worship. If my eyes are on the problem, I'm worshiping the problem. I'm worshiping the sickness. I'm worshiping the unemployment. I'm worshiping the situation with my child. I'm worshiping the problem in my marriage. I'm worshiping whatever it is. But when I fix my eyes on Jesus, He gets between me and my problem. He becomes your defender. Your greatest shield against the devil is Jesus. Your greatest shield against the enemy is Jesus. When you worship Jesus, he drives out the enemy. He drives out the darkness. Jason, I want you to try and shoot me when Jesus is standing in front of me. When Jesus is standing in front of me. Come on, Jason, try to get me. See, I got a shield against the enemy. Give these guys a big hand all over this room. Church, I want you to stand up on your feet this morning. You know, we can have fun. We can do those things. But the truth is, that's a picture of your life right now. The problem is staring you in the face. 
The situation is trying to come into your heart. Discouragement, pride, fear, worry, anger. Somebody hurt you. Somebody offended you. Somebody betrayed you. They gossiped. They slandered. They did something bad about you. And the enemy is just hoping you'll let that arrow lodge into your heart. Get offended. Get bitter. Get bitter. And if you do, it will destroy the quality of your life. It will destroy your friendships. It will destroy your praise. But when you say, you know what? I'm not going to get offended. I'm just not. It's not worth it. I choose to forgive. What you're doing is you're pulling that arrow away from you. You're lifting up a shield. The fear dart comes at you. Discouragement, hopelessness comes at you about the future. You're saying, you know what? I'm not going to get discouraged. Greater is he that's in me. All of a sudden, the shield becomes that shield that guards your heart, your mind, and your mouth. It deflects those thoughts of the enemy. And when you begin to worship Jesus, man, that strengthens your shield. When the praise goes up, the promise comes down. When the worship goes up, the breakthrough comes down. When the worship goes up, the miracle comes down. Today, in this moment, with every head bowed, every eye closed, you're here. And you're facing some arrows that have been shot at your heart, at your family, at your health, at your marriage, at your purity as a single. Whatever the situation is, you're saying today, I'm going to get those arrows out. I'm going to lift the shield up. I need strength. I need his word. I need to fix my eyes on Jesus. If that's you, I want you to slip your hand up all over this room. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, yes, yes. Hands going up all over this place. We're going to end today with a shout of praise and worship. We're going to bring it to God, no matter what you're facing, God is big enough to fix it. God is big enough to stand in front of you, to deflect those arrows of the enemy. Secondly, you're here today, and you say, Paul, I'm not right with God. I've been doing my own thing, going my own way. I've allowed sin to get lodged in my heart. Today, I want to surrender to Jesus. I want to know that I know that He's my Savior, that I'm going to heaven, that I can invite heaven onto earth in my life. If you're ready to do that, don't miss it. The blood of Jesus is what gets you into heaven. The blood of Jesus is what covers your life. Today, you can receive it. If that's you, slip your hand up all over the room. You're here today. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I love it. I love it. God sees those hands. Angels rejoice when one sinner repents. Church, we're going to cheer. If you raised your hand or you just know I got to get down to that altar, I want you to step out from your seat and come join me at this altar. Let's cheer them on. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl.